Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. <clears throat> Holy Thursday. <clears throat> Today is the institution of the Blessed Sacrament, the Last Supper. This is when we received the Holy Eucharist, the greatest gift known to mankind, God with us, Emmanuel here on planet Earth, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the great miracle that takes place in every Western and Eastern church, Catholic church around the world. God becomes Emmanuel, truly present. The Shekinah comes down upon the altar, and God becomes manifest. He becomes a New Testament Passover meal. Uh, as St. Paul says, uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, uh, Christ is our Passover. Let us keep the feast. Mm-hmm. Also today, Holy, uh, Holy Thursday, the apostles were instituted as priests. It's the institution of the priesthood. When Christ said, do this in memory of me, he's, uh, the Greek word is poieta, do this sacrifice in memory of me, in memory, anamnesis, which means a memorial sacrifice in Greek. He was instituting them as priests with those words right there. And he also showed that when you receive the Holy Eucharist and you establish the New Testament priesthood, ministerial priesthood, we're called to live a life of service. And so we end with the washing of the feet as well. Pell, welcome, my friend. I'm 10-8 today. How about you? It just 10-8 ready to go, but I'll just tell you, after that, we could just end the show. You said it all. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen. <laughs> hey, let, let me just mention stuff before we jump into the show. We got we got a good topics today. Just want to mention, I'm going to the Holy Land October 6th to the 16th. If you'd like to come with me and Father Dave Nix, go to my website, jesseromero.com, uh, to sign up to the Holy Land trip, nine days to walk where Jesus walked and look at all the Catholic shrines in the Holy Land. When you go to the Holy Land, you walk out, your head spinning. If you're Protestant, you say, wow, these Catholics are all over the, all over Israel. Huh, I wonder if they've been here first. Uh, I wonder if they're the true church. If you go to the Holy Land, you walk out. It's an apologetics Bible study in itself. Also, I just want to mention, I want to encourage my brothers in Boston, Massachusetts. I know the Temple of Saints going out there to do a satanic conference April 28th, 29th, and 30th at the Boston Marriott Copley Place. We'll be praying for you guys those three days out here from uh, Phoenix and around the country. And we hope we hope that you guys go out there and do a peaceful prayer rally of reparation. All right, Paul. Yeah. Let's jump right into it. All right. Let me introduce the article, Paul, that we get, we'll get into it. Now, okay. there's an article that's called Papal Preacher Claims Clericalization Prevented Latin Mass from Being Truly a Liturgy. Mm. It's a very now the it, it's a uh, the cardinal who's uh, been quoted here in this article throughout. His name's Cardinal Cantalamesa. Now here's what's interesting. He's been the papal preacher for the last three popes: Pope Francis, Benedict, and John Paul II. Now I and I've been following him for 25 years as homilies. Very sound, very solid, very orthodox, uh, very scriptural very patristic. I hear this new homily and I'll tell you what I see and it, 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 it saddens me. You see that he's tailored his homily based upon his audience. He did hear what a lot of politicians do. A lot of politicians, yeah, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-marriage. 
Then they go into kind of a mixed uh, audience where you got a bunch of uh, modernists and liberals and woke people and dissenters and all, and all of a sudden they tailor their speech like saying, oh yeah, everybody should be able to get married. We, we're all inclusive. I've seen here in this, and we're going to share his, him word for word. Um, it doesn't sound like the same Cardinal Cantalamesa I've heard for 25 years as he delivered this speech. So we'll go through it. Cardinal Cantalamesa criticized the traditional mass for allegedly having not been true to the church's early liturgy. Let me tell you, he would have never said something like that under Pope Benedict John Paul II, because I've been following his homilies. He -hmm. says, something which he said, Vatican II fixed. Delivering a homily to to Pope Francis and the Vatican Curia, the papal preacher recently attacked the traditional liturgy, arguing that clericalization had prevented the church from having a proper liturgy for over one... Oh my gosh. For over 1,500 years. I can't believe a man of his stature said something like this. So here's my comment that I want to hear from you, Paul. We'll take it paragraph by paragraph. Yeah. Okay. As I said, I've been following this guy for 25 years. When he was under the last two popes, he was giving orthodox traditional lectures. Now that he's the Pope Francis's papal preacher... He's tailoring his lectures to Pope Francis, who's a modernist. Paul, any of your take? Mm. Yeah, yes. When he says, prevented the church from having a proper liturgy for over 1,500 years. The first thing thing that comes to mind is it almost sounds akin to the argument that Protestants use. Yes. Essentially, Essentially, that very early in the church, the Catholic church got off the reservation and started be, uh, you know bringing in ideas that were unchristian and basically uh, uh, in modern times uh, um, at the time of the what they call the Reformation we right. call it the, the the revolt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at that time uh, they basically course corrected and yes. got the church back on track totally Paul, ignoring Jess Paul, the fact Paul, that Jesus you're right. He he used exactly the Protestant apologetics argument against the Latin Mass. Shame yes. on him. This guy's Shame a cardinal. He should know better. Of course, but again, um, you know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, we tend to, uh, you know, like you say, he speaks to his audience, and uh, we want to please men. We don't want to, you know, uh, you know somehow uh, be unpleasing to those who are in authority over us. And so he already knows through tra- Traditionis Custodis and, and so forth what, what the Pope's opinion is. So he's basically trying to validate, I believe, the yeah. Pope, which, uh, you know, if God is not a respecter of men, uh, again, we all as Catholics, Jess, we have a responsibility to be faithful to the um, perennial teachings Teaching, of yeah. the church yes. and uh, with the understanding that God is the one uh, who influenced the great saints uh, during their contemplations of the mysteries of Christ. That uh, So when it came time to the Latin mass, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, uh, such a beautiful, um, uh, you know, um, a rendition of 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 of, of uh, bringing forth the mysteries of Christ here and now for us. I don't know how he can make a statement like that. To be honest, yes. Let's continue. Yeah. Good comment. Good comments, Paul. 
Yeah. Cardinal Raniero Cantalamesa, OFM, he's a Franciscan, made his comments as part of his fourth Lenten sermon. He preached to Pope Francis along with assembled clerics and staffers from the Vatican, focusing on the liturgy and contrasting the Reformed liturgy of Vatican II with the Church's traditional liturgy, the Latin Mass. Cantalamesa's Cantalamesa sermon formed part of a series which is designed to make a small contribution to the work of the Synod. Ah, <laughs> ah, so he's part of the Synod of Synodality, the people that want to change the church. Wow. His follow the breadcrumbs. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. For 20 years, he sure fooled everybody because he uh, he spoke the party line for 20 years. And uh, now all of a sudden, uh, he's uh, showing his true colors. It says, addressing the liturgy... As the most common experience of the, sac- of, of the sacred in the church, the cardinal made a veiled reference praising the liturg- liturgical upheaval gosh, which followed the Second Vatican Council stating, the Catholic liturgy underwent a transformation from an action with a strong sacred and priestly imprint to a more communal and participatory action where all the people of God have their part, each with their own ministry. Ah. Uh, Okay, so here's my comment. So we made the Mass, the the Western Mass, the Latin Mass, from looking more like the Temple of Jerusalem sacrifice because that's what the Latin Mass looks like. When you study the Temple of Jerusalem sacrifice with the high priest and the outer court and the inner court and the court of the Gentiles, it looks like the Latin Mass. Even the the positions at Orientum uh, facing the Holy of Holies, everything about the Day of Atonement, uh, uh, the 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 it's the the high liturgical service in the temple of Jerusalem, that's the template for the Latin Mass, but but now, to be honest with you, post nineteen sixty five, the Mass looks more like it looks more like a a a, 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 a non a feel good low church non denominational service. Mm. That's way lo- yes. Yeah, yeah. And what do you expect when you have a Mason like Bunini who ran the commission on the sacred liturgy at Vatican II and then he called in six Protestant ministers to consult, to consult on the rubrics and prayers of the Mass. What do you expect? Yeah. Paul, come Yeah, yeah Jess. Uh, I'm glad you pointed out how the Mass is basically catechizing is what that's what i got out of what you just said the mass is teaching us as the great saint augustine said that the new testament is hidden in the old and the old is revealed in the new and so when we see the mass it brings out all these like you said uh, jewish customs and practices and shows exactly what our Lord said. You search the scriptures and thinking that in them you will find eternal life and it is them that testify of me. And when you put those things together, you can only, uh, uh, like God says in the Old Testament, who is like me? He says, who has declared it and it has come to be? He says, I know of none. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament and and it's demonstrated and shown in the mass. And let's Amen. not forget, Jess, that the priest in Catholic clergy. Hold that thought. Hold is, that thought, Paul. Hold yeah. that thought. We'll be right yeah. back. Hard break. Okay. Jesus nine one one. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus nine one one. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, two-man car, Jesus 911, two uh, ex-cops that love our Lord Jesus Christ, love Our Lady in the service of the Queen and King, the King and the Queen Mother, Man. and uh, faithful sons of Holy Mother Church. We're looking at an article which surprised me. I felt like I got hit with pie in the face. Cardinal Cantalamesa, the papal preacher for the last three popes, gave a, a lecture which very, really surprised me because this was, uh, he went off script, so to speak. He's always been giving very solid lectures to the popes, very orthodox, and uh, this lecture seems to be uh, a little bit uh, tinged with modernism. He's basically criticizing the Latin Mass in a nutshell. The article, yes. if you want to read it, it's called Papal Preacher Claims Clericalization Prevented Latin Mass from Being Truly a Liturgy. That's a Protestant argument. He's saying, mm -hmm. oh yeah, you know what? For 1,500 years, we, re we really didn't have a real Mass. But now we do. After 1965, mm -hmm. that's what he just said. <clears throat> yeah. After 1965. We, yeah, after, after, after the Protestants instructed us at Vatican II, we finally got it right. Yeah, yeah that's what he said in this article. That's, that, that, that's the implication. So, Here's, here's another quote from him, the article. Cantalamesa cited a trend of restoring the church's buildings and liturgy to their original structure and style, claiming that the Second Vatican Council was a decisive moment in this process, but not the absolute beginning. It gathered the fruit of much previous work, close quote. So he's saying that our, our, our banal, uh, basketball gym, Nova Soto parishes built in the 70s that look like a square box. He's saying this is basically, this is preferred to the beautiful Gothic, Baroque, Renaissance architecture of the Middle Ages and the earlier Middle Ages. I, yeah. I, th yeah. Let me quote to you Fulton Sheen on this. Fulton Sheen said this in 1968. He said this quote. How you notice how devoid of decoration our modern Catholic architecture is. What a contrast to the cathedrals where there were all where there where there are all material things. The ancient architecture was always using material things as signs of something spiritual. But today our church architecture is flat, nothing but steel and glass almost like a cracker, a cracker box. Why? Because our architects have no spiritual message to convey. The material is just material, nothing else. Hence, no decorum, no significance, no meaning, no soul to modern churches. Winston Churchill, Winston Churchill also said about, <clears throat> about banal modern architecture, he said this, quote, When we plan our buildings, we shape them. Thereafter, mm -hmm. they shape us. You know, Jess, I, I told you the story, uh, you know, uh, when I was a Protestant and, and you know, uh, my kids were just uh, to just the, you know, the bland, you know, um, environment. You know, the churches are just like, uh, like you said, they're, they're, they're nothing more than like meeting halls almost. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yet, you know, when I took my daughter to my, my, my cousin's uh, first communion. It was the first time she walked into a Catholic church and she was just like, wow, 
wow, she was looking all around. I just saw her head. And then I told her, uh, I said, well, Amanda, I go, this is, this is God's house. <laughs> and, and she looked and she looked around and after a while, she, she nudged me and she says, daddy, daddy. I said, what, baby? She says, when is God coming out? <laughs> wow. Wow. From the, from the mouth of babes, yes. From the uh, mouth of yeah. babes. Yeah, her, even even in her in, under little Protestant heart, she had a, yeah. an understanding that she had just entered something otherworldly. Yes, yes. But it's, it to me it seems like Cardinal Cantalamesa. He wants to go to these banal, you know, basketball gym buildings, you know, devoid of statues and and uh, and and images and icons. Uh, yeah. To me, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth was very clear. He said one of the ways that you come to know God is through beauty as well. Beauty evangelizes. Beauty opens the soul. And now when you're in a beautiful church, in a beautiful place, you're more open to hearing the word of God because everything around... I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Where can you hear the word of God better? Let's just say, let's just say you're reading John chapter 3 the whole, with, with a little New Testament Bible in your hand at a rock concert. Okay, yeah, you could read it at a rock concert sitting down, 10,000 people screaming and yelling and throwing their shirts off and raising their hands. Uh, or if you go to a desert and sit on a rock and there's nothing, there's nothing around for for 20 miles all around you and you read the gospel of John chapter three, where are you going? Where's your soul going to receive more instruction and grace? And, uh, and, and, and where are you going to receive more of the, of the, of the spirit of God? Obviously in a place where there's silence in a place where there's aesthetic beauty and order and design. That's the same with a, a church. This is why Catholics were big on building beautiful churches for uh, since before 1965 it's because we want to give our best to god just like the jews did the temples yep. of jerusalem were ornate every single inch every space of, of of inch on the wall of the temple of jerusalem was or, ornate with some type of decoration that elevated your 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 intellect and your senses to heaven and why just let all creation worship him you know what I mean? Everything in creation should be used to give homage and praise to our God. Amen. So the article says here, uh, Cardinal Cantalamesa contrasted the liturgy of the early church of the first three centuries with, with that which came after, saying that the modern mass represents the early liturgy more closely than any other liturgy of the centuries behind us. At the beginning of the church and for the, three, and for the first three centuries, the liturgy was truly a liturgy. That is the action of the people, because that's that's what liturgy means. Laos people is among the etymological components of the word of the of the Greek word liturgia. From Saint Justin Martyr, from the tradition apostolic of Saint Hippolytus back in the second century, and other sources of the time, we obtain a vision of the mass that is certainly closer to the reformed one of today than to that of the centuries behind us. And I can explain why that is. Yeah, when you read Saint Justin Martyr. And uh, Saint Hippolytus, the mass was very simple. I'll tell you why. And they they did write about their worship on Sundays. It was simple because they were under persecution from the Roman in Empire. The they were yeah. yeah they were they were hiding. They were in caves. They were in graveyards. They were in people's houses. And so th they were they were basically they had the uh, the emperor's jackboot on their neck. They were yeah, people they were on, on the run. run. So, yeah. of course, they couldn't sit down and say, let's give God the most beautiful form of worship that we can. They were basically running from one location to another, gathering as best they could. But, yes. but, 
They didn't even have buildings, Jess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They didn't have buildings yet. So, but here's how how I would respond to Cardinal Cantalamesa. I would just say, look at Cardinal, just like our understanding of the Trinity and the person of Jesus Christ has organically developed an understanding, not that it's changed in essence, it's the same Trinity, the same Christ, but as the years go by, the centuries, we have a deeper understanding into the Godhead, into the person Mm. of Christ. So the sacred liturgy, likewise, it's also organically developed from a simple upper room where the Last Supper was held to the ornate divine liturgies in the East and the Latin Mass in the West. Yes, yes. Yeah, and and I'll tell you why. Because the Mass is heaven on earth, and the Mass transports us to spiritual Jerusalem. And so with the passing of time, uh, the Mass was like, at the time of the Apostles, it was like a mustard seed. And now it's like that great tree with branches, with, with many birds, yes. you, know, yes. uh, 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 you know, many birds on, on these branches. The yes. Mass... The Mass, just like the Trinity's doctrines, Marian doctrines, ecclesiology, everything gets clearer and fuller through the passing of time. So, of course, the liturgy was going to become more uh, ornate and and, and more beautiful and more rich through the passing of time. Because, again... We received our, our, our religious liberty in, three, in 313 AD uh, by the Emperor Constantine's decree. So the church is now able to start buying these abandoned pagan Greek pantheons and Roman temples. Yeah. The church is starting to buy them, and we're basically baptizing them. We're making them into Catholic churches. They already had beautiful architecture, the Romans and the Greeks, and we baptized them. Uh, and because we received our religious liberty, so now we're able to focus more on the sacred liturgy instead of running from cave to cave, you know, from Roman soldiers and trying to celebrate the mass incognito. Yes, Jess, you know, yeah, yeah I'm glad you, you you brought out the point, well, the, the, the writer of the article on how the appeal is to an earlier time. You know, it's almost like he's trying to, you know, oh, traditionis custodis right it's like an oxymoron you know the 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 guardians of tradition so he wants to try to somehow say that the mass in its current form in the novus ordo is more similar to the early mass therefore we are guarding tradition by defending uh this uh this this form of the mass when nothing could be further from the truth and let me just say this uh, a couple notes that I wrote down on this, but um, we have to remember the priest in the Catholic liturgy is Alter Christa. He is marked at his ordination with an indelible seal, Jess, uh, similar to us in baptism. Mm-hmm. And his seal is a share in the priestly ministry of Christ. Amen. So a share in the ministry of the high priesthood. So during the mass, the priest in obedience to Christ, uh, when he says, do this, like you pointed out, do this, it's, 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 this is, um, this is sacrificial language. Yeah. Offer yeah. this. Um, and, and, you know, in memory of me and, you know, so, um, you know, and, and that, you know, like you said, um, on Holy Thursday at the, um, uh, at the last supper, when the Lord bows down and he washes the feet of the, of the apostles, uh, Peter says, no, Lord, may it never be. And what does Jesus say? He says, if you don't let me wash you, he says, you can have no part in me. 
And he says, you are already clean because of baptism. Well, what, is he, what is Jesus talking about there? Well, uh, the high priest in the Old Testament, one of the things that he would do when he would anoint the priest is foot washing. And so Jesus, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, it's just a humble thing that Jesus bowed down and, and, and washed their feet. Yes, but there's way more. You know, the pool is much deeper and Jesus is essentially um, he's a, he's anointing them as priests ready to so that they can then lend their bodies to uh, to Christ. As in the mass, when you see in a Latin mass, the priest is off, you know, he says, this is my body. Uh, and it is that incorporation into the mystical body of Christ that we as Catholics take our small sacrifices that we make and our sacrifices have meaning now. Why? Because they are incorporated into the very body of Christ, united with his sacrifice. And it is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so, Paul, in a nutshell, the, through the passing of time, we get more clarity into doctrines and dogmas, and uh, the church's liturgy has become more ornate and beautiful because yes. we understand more. We penetrate yes. deeper into the mysteries of our faith. Yes. We'll be right back. We'll continue with this article, Jesus Night Woman. Stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. We're looking at this article. Uh, Cardinal Cantalamessa criticizes the Latin Mass. It says here, uh, Continuing his criticism of the traditional liturgy, Cardinal Cantalamessa the papal preacher for the last three popes blamed clericalization for having prevented Catholics from authentically following in the footsteps of the early church. What happened? The answer is, is, an, awkward is an awkward word, which, however, we cannot avoid. He said this, clericalization. In no other sphere was it more conspicuous than in the liturgy. So he says that the, the Mass, as we've seen it for the last thousand years, is top-heavy with the clergy. It's overly clericalized. Well, let me give you the definition of clericalism is a policy or an attitude. I went to dictionary.com. Clericalism is a policy or an attitude that gives excessive power or deference to the clergy, especially in the Catholic Church. It can involve a sense of superiority, entitlement, or distance from the people. It can also be a way of denying the rights and responsibilities of the baptized. Ah, Clericalism can be a sickness or a trap that affects the, the church and its members, uh, so now that I gave you the, de the definition from the internet, here's my take. Clericalism, that definition I just read to you, describes the, the Francis papacy and other modernist bishops in the church today that tell you, you know what? That mass has been around for 1,500 years, no more. That's clericalism, okay? Yep. And, and, and I, here's a definition of clericalism. Denying the rights of the baptized mm. deny that's and so <laughs> clericalism we're seeing it right now on on the catholic left people that are saying we don't want the latin mass get rid of it Th these are people people are being bullies to lay people and they're saying yep. yeah yeah that mass has been around for 1500 years that produce all these saints you can't you can't participate in that anymore yeah that's clericalism yeah. Cantalamesa said this 
Canta la Mesa next prays how the liturgy has supposedly gone from being an action of the people into being an action of the liturgy, of the clergy due to the liturgical alterations of recent decades when he re- referenced Catholics for centuries had not understood the Mass. This is what he stated. Now, I think this betrays an understanding of history. So Cardinal Cantalamesa says that Catholics for centuries, that's hundreds and hundreds of years, didn't understand the Mass. Okay, so here's my response. Why is it then that 70% of Catholics in America went to Mass on Sundays before Vatican II? Three out of four Catholics in the U.S., Pre-1965, went to Mass before Vatican II. Well, because they didn't understand the Mass, Jess. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> to, to, today, about 12 to 18% of American Catholics go to Mass on Sunday. Hmm. Also, I would say that the Baltimore Catechism generation of Catholics knew their faith better than the Catholics today with a two-inch thick catechism that nobody reads, Because, how can I prove that to you? Because belief in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist is at an all-time low right now. Yes. And Jess, let us not forget the altering of the liturgical prayers and also, uh, you know, the liturgical prayers in the sacraments. The church has always taught um, lex orandi, lex credendi, uh, you know. In other words, the law prayed is the law believed. And guess what? Um, uh, so we can see now, uh, if you want to juxtapose the two masses, uh, on one, uh, you have basically people failing the first grade because every Catholic prior to, you know, in the, through the 1950s could tell you, uh, uh, and, and discern, uh, the presence of Christ in, in the Holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And now they can. Yeah. Yeah. Good. The article says for centuries, this is Canta la Mesa, Cardinal Canta la Mesa. For centuries, the central part of the Mass, known as the canon or anaphora, was pronounced by the priest in a low voice in Latin, behind a curtain or a wall, a temple within a temple, out of the sight and hearing of the people. The celebrant only raised his voice at the final words of the canon, per omnia secula seculorum, and the people replied, Amen, to what they hadn't heard, let alone understood. The only contact with the Eucharist announced by the announced by the sound of the bells, was the moment of the elevation of the host. Describing such liturgical senses as the return to the first covenant style of worship, Cantalamesa stated that Jewish worshipers were overwhelmed by the sense of God's tremendous holiness and majesty. The sense of the sacred is at its highest here. But after Christ, is it the right and genuine one? This is our crucial question, he added. Now, here's how I would respond to the Cardinal this way. Actually, again, the Latin Mass resembles the liturgical Jewish Day of Atonement. All you have to do, Cardinal, is just read it in Sirach chapter 50. You, if you want to see a Jewish high liturgy, it's described in the Bible. That's why I tell Protestants, I tell Protestants, you guys don't know how to worship God. Well, it doesn't tell us how to worship God in the Bible. Yes, it does. It's in Sirach 50, mm-hmm. but you guys removed that at the Reformation. So you don't know how, you don't know that God is worshiped in liturgy. If you read mm-hmm. Sirach liturgy, you have the ad orientum posture of the priest. Everything is totally Jewish. And so the question is, that, and then Sirach 50 describes the Jewish Day of Atonement. Every Catholic should read Sirach 50 when you get out of, after this program and watch the way the Jews worship. Then you're going to say, oh, that looks like the Latin Mass. Mm. So 
The question is, did Vatican II call for these innovations that we see at the New Order of the Mass? Nothing whatsoever is said at Vatican II about any kind of changes or reform of the Latin Rite itself. Later on, when changes are discussed, here's the Council states in paragraph 23 of Sacrosanctum Concilium. Here's what it says, quote, Vatican II, quote, There must be no innovations unless the good of the church genuinely uh, and certainly requires them. So no changes. And and by the way, that's the spiritual good of the church. Yeah, yeah. So no changes unless there is a real proven proven demonstrable need. Paragraph 23 also says, and care must be taken that any new forms adopted should in some way grow organically from forms already existing. Close quote. In other words, organic growth like a plant, a flower, a tree, not something constructed by an intellectual elite and not things fabricated and tacked on. I'll tell you what happened at Vatican II. Pope Benedict gave us a description. Here it is. It's a big word. I'm going to give you guys a mental charlie horse, an intellectual charlie horse. Pope Benedict warned us, rest in peace, of what's called false archaeologism. False archaeologism. What does that mean? That means where someone goes back in the history as if in an archaeological dig and you pull out something obscure and build an entire system around it. In other words, you cannot take isolated events of the developing tradition as absolutes. They must be read within the whole analogy of faith and within the living tradition of the church. So memorize this phrase, false archaeologism that's where somebody goes back in history pope benedict says and you you grab this archaeological dig and you pull it out and you try to build an entire system around it that's what happened at vatican ii mm-hmm. the nova sort of mass did not it, it was not a continuation an organic developing continuation of the already existing latin mass had been around for 1500 years it was something entirely new. It was something that was, that was dug up from the second and third century from the writings of St. Hippolytus and uh, St. Justin Martyr because it was a very simple mass. Of course it was simple. They were on the run from Roman soldiers. You're not going to have a, a high mass when, when everybody's looking around their back. When's the next Roman soldier going to come and kill us with a sword for, for worshiping Christ? And so what, they, what the council fathered, the modernists, they took those writings that that described the simple mass in the caves and catacombs and they plucked it in dropped it into 1965 instead of organically developing and maybe adding to or something the latin mass that was already there it was they built an entire new mass they went back to the second and third century to a time when the church was they were fugitives they were felons on the run they were hiding for their lives they were doing they were celebrating the mass covertly but they took those circumstances and applied it to 1965, where we have religious liberty now. We're not running from everybody. You can have buildings now. They didn't have buildings back then. They didn't have altar boys. They didn't have procession crosses. They were doing mass in the catacombs and caves and in people's houses. And you're going to drop that mass into, into modern times? That's, that's called false archaeologism. Yes. I'm done. Yeah, have you ever, Jess, have you ever seen a, uh, a tag team wrestling match? 
Yeah, yeah. It's my turn. Tag okay, me. All right. Hey, <laughs> go, Fred. Go, go. Yeah. Okay. Let me jump in. I want to fight too. So, okay. right. so Jess. So we're talking about we're talking about uh, Latin. Uh, you mentioned something in Vatican II when it talked about no in, no innovations, Innovation. right? This is this is one of the uh, uh, the things that uh, uh, Archbishop Lefebvre at that time he saw uh, a problem. Uh, that within the Novus Ordo Mass, uh, oh, he, he uses an example. He says, uh, he asked Pope Paul VI, he said, Holy Father, he says, do you know we have now 13 new Eucharistic prayers in France? And he looked wow. at him and, and wow. Pope Paul VI looked at him and he said, uh, uh, Father, he, he kind of put his hands up. He says, we have more than that, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, and so when you talk about innovations, mm -hmm. this is another reason why the mass is said in Latin, because he said, try doing that when, you know, when you're saying the mass in Latin, there won't be any innovations coming from these priests, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because they would have to construct it in Latin. And so 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 the Latin actually preserves doctrine and preserves purity. And when you understand uh uh, uh, you know, uh, exactly what the mass is. You want it, you want it to be pure and chaste because the sacrifice, according to Malachi, right? The one from the rising of the sun to the setting, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a pure sacrifice is offered and we don't need innovations from the people that that's not what the mass is all about uh, from that standpoint, what we are, or, or from the priest, even injecting his ideas uh, into it. We need to, you know, we need to have the, the one sacrifice of Christ. We'll be back. Presented. Stick around. Okay. Don't go anywhere. We'll, we'll be right up. back. <laughs> yep. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911 Soul Patrol, I just want to just make a passing reference that there's a lot of JAD pilots who are dying on the air. There's an article called JAD Pilots, Roll Call of Deaths and Injuries. Can you imagine hearing Mayday, Mayday? Uh, this is something no airline pilot wants to say and no passenger wants to hear. But this month, Virgin Australia Emirates, United, Southwest Airlines have all turned back aircrafts or made emergency landings because air crews have suffered serious health incidents. A British Airways pilot died of a heart attack just before he was due to fly a plane from Egypt. Let me give you a timeline of five people real quick. Then we'll go back to Cardinal Cantalamesa. March 3rd, Virginia, Australia. The crew received the memo describing the white flight uh, A320 from Adelaide to Perth, returned 30 minutes into the journey. The first officer co-pilot became unwell. A return to Adelaide was considered the best course of action by the captain. March 11th, United Flight 2007 from Guatemala to Chicago was diverted because the captain had chest pains landing at George Bush Airport in Houston. March 12th, it's reported that British Airways pilot collapsed and died in a hotel in Cairo, Egypt. Shortly before he was due to fly, March 13th, Emirates flight EK205 from Milan turned back because the co-pilot felt, uh, felt unwell 90 minutes after takeoff, March 22nd, Josh Yoder, president of U.S. Freedom Flyers, an organization fighting vaccine mandates for airline staff, tweeted, on a Southwest flight departing Las Vegas, the captain became incapacitated soon after takeoff. He was replaced by a non-Southwest pilot who was commuting on that flight. 
Hmm. Mm-hmm. What's happening here? A lot of these pilots are getting sick. We know myocarditis, blood clots, strokes. Guess where this came from? Thank you, Fauci. All right, just want to alert you uh, about the, that, uh, you know, that's, that's trending right now. We go back to Cardinal Cantalamesa. He also often repeated accusations against the traditional mass by stating that the modern lit- liturgy has more scriptural content, a topic that numerous liturgical scholars have addressed, highlighting how modern liturgical texts often omit difficult moral passages. Yeah, like Romans 1 and others. We have at our disposal some, mean, some means that were not available in the past to enhance the liturgy of the word and also make it an occasion for an experience of the sacred. Thanks to the progress that the church has made in many fields in the meantime, we have a more direct access to the word of God. It can resound with greater richness and power than in the past. So Cantalamesa is saying, here's his argument, you get more of the word of God and the Novus Ordo Mass, and then the Latin Mass. Objectively speaking, you probably do, because I've seen them side by side, and that's what they did at the Novus Ordo Mass. But when you do a side-by-side comparison of the Latin Mass and the Novus Ordo Mass, you find that many of the prayers were, and all the prayers are taken from Scripture, by the way, mm-hmm. they were redacted from the Latin mm-hmm. Mass when the Council of Fathers constructed the Novus Ordo Mass out of whole cloth in 1965. So, yeah, there's, yeah, I get it. There's more Bible readings in the Novus Ordo Mass. Yes, that's a true statement. Mm-hmm. But the prayers, to, to what extent? They took the rich prayers of the Latin Mass and redacted them and, and, and truncated them. And that's not a good idea. Paul, you want to pick up that next sentence where it says writing last year? Uh, I kind of lost my place, Jess. Okay, I'll, 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 writing last year, liturgist Dr. Peter Kwasniewski responded to such an argument, commenting that the view that the early Christian Mass was more authentic, more in keeping with what Jesus intended, free from all medieval clutter, repetition, bowing and scraping, pious mumbo-jumbo, devotionalism, and even superstition that grew up around it later, is precisely the view that unites the original Protestants with their latter-day descendants in the radical wing of the liturgical movement that produced the Novus Ordo. In other words, Dr. Kwasniewski, a good friend of mine, who's an apologist for the Novus Ordo Mass, he says that the Novus Ordo modernists, they've used the same arguments as the Protestants do. What the Protestants used to attack the church and church history, yep. the Novus Ordo modernists used to attack the Latin Mass. Same arguments. Yep. Well, in the end, though, just Protestantism is modernism in a sense, yeah. you know? No, no, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it says, uh, 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 Dr. Kwasniewski Question Cantalamesa's arguments, querying how, if the liturgy was only a true liturgy before the, four, the 400 AD and after 1969 AD, what exactly was the church doing for the best part of 1,600 years then? Well, according to the Protestants, we were off the reservation and it took Martin Luther to uh, begin the movement to bring us back. Yeah, here's, here's the Protestant argument I've heard it many times. They'll say, the church was evangelical for the first 300 years at the time of Constantine when, when he legalized Christianity, gave it religious liberty, and it became Catholic at that time. It became corrupted for a yeah. thousand, over a thousand. And then in yeah. 1521, Martin Luther, a Catholic priest, saw the light reading the Bible, Bible only, and he reformed and restored the gospel to its original simplicity and the church to yeah. its original. That's the pro- yeah. And that's exactly what Cantalemes is using right now, that argument. Yeah, and they and they say that oh yeah, when Constantine came over, all the pagan practices that the pagans did in Rome, they just brought them over into the church, and that's why Catholics use statues, and that's why Catholic, you know, and it goes on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, here's okay. So Cardinal Cantalamesa comments 
echoed those made by the prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship, Cardinal Arthur Roach, another modernist who's right now at the highest office. He says, only days before on March 19th, Cardinal Roche had argued that the theology of the church has changed. So now we got two cardinals, Cardinal Roche, who's the top guy for mm. the, for catechesis in the world, and Cardinal Cantalamesa, who's a papal preacher. Two of them are saying that the theology of the church has changed. Okay, now here's my response. I'm a nobody. I get, I'm a lay Catholic. I get it. But guess what? What those two cardinals have said is impossible. Why? Because God is unchangeable and God is immutable and his bride, the church, and her doctrines are unchangeable and immutable. There is no pre-Vatican II church and post-Vatican II church. The church is one and yes. its doctrines are true and perennial and they don't change. Yes, yes. And if, if you can change those things, and, I, and, I, and that's a huge if, but if you can change these things, the next thing that's going to change is, uh, well, let's say uh, God really doesn't disapprove of same-sex unions, does he? You know what I mean? So this is the beginning. This is the floodgate. If you can change the theology of the church, all the rest of the things like the synod on synodality, it's just going to come in like a floodgate. And then what you'll have is just like many seers of the church uh, have said, you know, you're going to have a falling away of the faith. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus, and when Jesus said, when the son of man returns, will he find faith? So you can already see where this is going. These, these innovations, and that's exactly what they are innovations. They're not moving us toward God and toward holiness. They are they are moving us because the onus in this case is on man. It's on the people. It's on we're we're listening to what the church says. Listening to what the church says. We need to be listening to what Christ says. Yeah. And when they say listening, uh, listening church, that means we want to listen to all the modernists and dissenters and Protestants. Tell us what we should do as Catholics. Yeah. That's what listen. Yeah, that's as, what it means. Yeah. 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 As if yeah. we're going to go to these anemic people that don't even believe in the real presence of Christ and ask them, well, what should we do? <laughs> what should we do as Catholics? Yeah. The article says, uh, Cardinal Cantalemesa says, whereas before the priest represented at a distance all the people, they were channeled through this person who alone was celebrating the Mass, said Cardinal Roche. Well, what a wicked word to use. That was wicked. Mm-hmm. He did. He did. Cardinal Roche did that on purpose. That. All the prayers are channeled through the priest. You know, channel it. That's an occult word. That's a mm-hmm. new age word. He did that yep. on purpose. Yep. yep. Yet while the arguments of the priestly people have been much proposed since Vatican II, chiefly by those lack, looking to eradicate a difference between priests and lay people, Pope Pius XII noted, er, noted clearly the difference in their respective actions as outlined in his 1947 encyclical Mediator Day. The fact... Yeah. However, that the faithful participate in the Eucharistic sacrifice does not mean that they're also endowed with priestly power. It is very necessary that you make this quite clear to your flocks. My comment in, in this, this is a completely Protestant argument that Cardinal Roche just used. Because remember, in the Old Testament, you have the Jewish priesthood and then and high priest and then the laity, the royal priesthood. In the New Testament, you have the same thing. Christ is a high priest. Then you have the Catholic priesthood and then the priesthood of the lady. 
So, yes. and, and we all have different functions in the liturgy. Yes, we have yes. I can't believe he made a statement liturgy. like that, Jess. Yeah. I can't believe it. I mean, I'm reading that and I, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I can't believe somebody who should know better could make a statement like that. Paul, like, this guy's uh, in charge. This guy's the top catechist in the world right now in the Catholic Church. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you something. Uh, when, when, you, when, when you made that comment about he used the word channeling. You know, uh, well, let me tell you something in Catholic uh, in in the Catholic liturgy. The priest is, in fact, by the way, he is marked with that indelible seal that I talked about and a share in Christ's priesthood. He is. okay. so if we're channeling through him, guess what? Christ said, I am the door. There's nobody getting into heaven unless we go through Christ. So in this drama of the mass, in this prayer of the mass, the priest is representing Christ. So what in the world is this guy talking about? Yeah, uh, he should use biblical language. He should, he should say something like, you know, during the mass, we are in Christ, uh, you know, or like it says in Romans eleven thirty six, through him, with him and in him. Not yes. the word channeling. That was a, yes. that was a, a derogatory comment to describe the Latin mass. That's a new age term. So we got about uh, two minutes. Uh, I'll give you just my take in one second. Then I want to hear from you, Paul, then we'll wrap it up. So what's my position on all of this? Well, I agree with Dr. Scott Hahn, who says the following. He says this, quote, Catholics need to recognize the validity of the Novus Ordo mass and the objective superiority of the traditional Latin mass. I'll repeat it again. That's my position on this topic. Dr. Scott Hahn says, quote, Catholics need to recognize the validity of the Novus Ordo Mass and the objective superiority of the traditional Latin Mass. And he's mm-hmm. talking about the superiority in terms mm-hmm. of the richness of the prayers, yeah. the pomp, the circumstance, the ornate, the, the, yes. the, uh, and, and just the manner in which it's celebrated, we have to recognize its superiority, but we also have to recognize the validity of the Novus Ordo Mass because yeah. it was given to us by a pope. Yes, yeah, and just we're not, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, what is it, the Society of Pope Pius V, you know, you know, or set of, and or how they, or set of a Yeah, yeah, or set, yeah, or set of a Why? Because quite clearly, uh, Dr. Hahn was right. The Novus Ordo Mass is valid, but when you compare, but 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 he emphasized the superiority yeah. of the traditional Latin Mass, and because of that, and because of the, there's nothing inherently wrong, you know, with the abridged prayers, um, right, right, the, exactly, you know, in the Novus Ordo Mass. However, if the Mass is a prayer, and as the Church prays, like it believes, lex orandi, lex credendi, you know, the, the law prayed is the law believed. Wrap well, it then up, obviously, Paul, wrap it up. Uh, yeah, obviously, we want the superior version. Amen. Why? It'll That's be a wrap. better for us. That's a wrap. Jesus, nine one. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Keep the faith.